Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. If you feel like your allergies are having a comeback tour and you want relief quickly, you can try Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny, and itchy nose and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. Five years ago, Los Angeles rapper Nipsey Hussle released Victory Lap, his only full-length album. Grinding all my life, look, I got everything I said I was gonna get on my kid. In addition to that fact, I went legit. I'm the shit now, according to the way that I'm positioned. In this biz, it looked like I'm just gonna keep on getting rich. Ah. It was the high point of a career stretching back to the mid-2000s when Hustle started releasing mixtapes on his own record label. Mixtapes that brought him respect from artists like Jay-Z and Kendrick Lamar, but were not widely heard. Victory Lap brought him both the critical acclaim and commercial success he deserved. It hit number two on the Billboard 200 and was nominated for a Grammy for Best Rap Album. But just a little over a year after its release, Hustle was shot to death outside his clothing store and community center in Crenshaw. In some ways, Hustle's tragic end has overshadowed his incredible life as a musician and community activist. So in this conversation, we want to shift the focus to Nipsey's identity as an artist and think about the legacy of his debut album on his fifth anniversary. To do that, I'm thrilled to welcome Justin Tinsley, journalist, author, and host of the 30 for 30 podcast series, King of Crenshaw, all about the life and sound of Nipsey Hussle. Justin, thanks so much for joining us on Switched on Pop. Nate, man, thank you so much. It's always an honor to talk about Nipsey Hussle and in particular this album because it's, it's such a fascinating project to discuss and dissect. Let's start with the title of this project, Victory Lap. Victory Lap. What does that signify and how does it fit into Nipsey Hussle's larger music philosophy? It symbolizes everything he preached in terms of his work ethic, his drive, his inspirations, his aspirations, and his goals. He had earlier projects called The Marathon and The Marathon Continues. So the whole running a race, running a lap type of thing, it really spoke to just the the journey that he went on throughout his entire career. Hmm. Granted, he was never a, a, a perennial billboard artist. He was never on top 40 radio or anything. But if you paid attention to hip hop and you understood the movers and the shakers and the people who were actually making noise on the hip hop scene. Nipsey Hussle was always part of that conversation. So this album, it, it became kind of like an urban legend and a myth in a way. It was like, okay, well, where is Victory Lap? <laughs> and then you actually get Victory Lap. And it, it was just this beautiful collection of songs that if you were familiar with Nipsey Hussle's story, you was like, this is perfect. This is what a debut album should sound like. And I, it honestly sounded like a Victory Lap. Yeah. So the, the title made sense when you understood the history behind it. And the very first song on this album has the same title, Victory Lap, yep. features the vocalist Stacy Barth. And I think it provides an introduction to some of the themes on this record. And one big one 
is the theme of financial independence and ownership. My cultural influence even revolution. I'm integrated vertically, y'all niggas blow it. I'm integrated vertically. Mm-hmm. What's that about, Justin? What's he talking about here? Nipsey tells this story that when he was starting off early in his music career, this had to be around the late 2000s, early, early, early 2010s, and somebody pulled him to the side. It was like, look, you can't just be a rapper. You know what I mean? You can't just be that. You have to give people a reason to want to check out your music beyond just the music because. There's a billion rappers out here now. So how are you going to differentiate yourself? So business was always important to Nipsey. Entrepreneurship was always important to him. Mm -hmm. When he says I'm integrated vertically, this is just like, yeah, I have a dope album on the way. But look, I'm also involved Mm -hmm. in my community. I'm preaching these lessons of financial independence and freedom. And in a lot of ways, that's always going to be his biggest calling card, even beyond the music. When we're talking about Nipsey Hussle, advocating for ownership and investment. I think it's important to recognize that he's not just talking about his own personal gain, that his ambition was always to make money for himself in order that he could give back to his community. Mm -hmm. How do you see him using hip hop as a way of not just creating really fun, anthemic songs for people to enjoy, but also as a medium for transmitting literacy and financial information and community building. Nipsey was from an area where, you know, he saw the the impact of N.W.A. and guys like Ice Cube. And Mm. he always spoke about the importance of people like Tupac in his life. And yes, you know, they made fun songs, they made dope songs, but he also saw the strength in what hip hop could provide, the the opening and the conversations that it could help create and the change it could help create, you know, in, in its best ways. And so Nipsey understood that I can reach a lot of people in a lot of different ways that politicians can't, or maybe even newscasters can't, because I know what goes on in these communities because I'm from this community. I've survived these things. I've done these things, good, bad, and indifferent. And I can tell people through my music that like, hey, look, these are the lessons that we need to better ourselves, And he learned that from different people. And he was never one to learn a lesson and keep it to himself because he understood huh. the power that came with transmitting, you know, beneficial information because, you know, he, he didn't want to see people get beat up by the police. He didn't want to see he didn't want to see more people get killed due to gang violence. And he, if he could help curb that, if he could help enrich his community instead of demean it, then that that's a currency that you really can't put a dollar sign on. And he understood that the medium that was hip hop could help him achieve this. And he did it in so many ways. So when you listen to his music, especially people from that South Central area, they was like, yo, I know this dude. I've seen him around and what he's saying he's actually doing. And so that that type of connection, that type of authenticity, you can't put a dollar sign on it. It's just something that you are. It's not something that you can get. Nipsey Hussle doesn't just showcase his lyricism on this track. And I was really surprised to learn that the vocal hook on Victory Lap is actually an interpolation from a song by the British rock band, the Arctic Monkeys. It's their track, Knee Socks. (laughs) 
Maybe on the surface, kind of a left field interpolation to find at the start of this Nipsey Hustle album, but maybe also a testament to the diverse influences that went in to the beats of this album. One of the stereotypes about hip hop over the years is that it's so insular that it only cares about itself, that it's not inspired by other genres that came before it, live with it, or even came after it. And the best hip hop artists, you're fans of music. You're fans of not just the music that you make, but music, the honesty that you can't make. I interviewed uh, Mike and Keys for the Crenshaw podcast. Mm. Mike and Keys were two of Nipsey's longtime producers who produced the bulk of Victory Lab. And when you talk to those guys, they are music heads. And they understood it's like, yo, if we can take our inspiration from all types of music that we love, and give it a hip hop spin, it's just gonna make our sound that much more unique. That's the first thing you hear on the album. It's basically the Arctic Monkey sample. Even before you get to Nipsey, it came out of left field, but it fit perfectly in that pocket. And it, it feels like that sample just reflect and it empowered everything Nipsey was saying in that song from financial empowerment to just hustling and understanding like, this is my goal, this is what I want. and this is what I survived. And you're gonna, I'm gonna give you the whole story, but first I'm gonna give you this random ass sample to start the album and you, <laughs> you're not gonna know what to expect from, from there on out. If we jump around a little bit on the album Victory Lap, we can listen to another track called Hustle and Motivate. Ooh. Pull up in motorcades, I got a show today. It's all I'm trying to do. Nipsey says, hustle the hove away, a reference to Jay-Z, I think an inspirational figure for Nipsey Hustle, and not coincidentally, the source of the beat in Hustle and Motivate is the Jay-Z track, Hard Knock Life. Take the bass line out. Uh-huh. Significantly slowed down. (laughs) (laughs) This track gives us an opportunity to learn a little bit about Nipsey Hussle's approach to composition and songwriting. What was his style when it came to writing raps and working in the recording studio? You see people like Lil Wayne or like Gucci Man who can just like knock out like five, six, seven songs a day and they just have <laughs> mixtape after mixtape after mixtape. I call it the the Tupacian work ethic because Tupac was yeah. the same way. You know, some artists are like that, but some will sit with the music for a while and be like, you know what, I'm gonna listen to the beat, I'm gonna vibe out, I'm gonna smoke, I'm gonna do whatever. And when I get inspired to to make the music, I'm going to make it. And, you know, that was Nipsey. It wasn't like he, obviously, he wasn't lazy by any means, but he was very meticulous about mm. what he said on records and, and then the records that he released, which is why you don't see a lot of posthumous Nipsey Hustle music in the way that you see with other artists. So 
he was very meticulous when it came to the studio and anybody who ever spent a lot of time in the, in the studio with him, whether it be, you know, his close friends like Kobe Supreme and Jay Stone or his producers, 1500 mm-hmm. and nothing, Mike and Keys, they'll tell you that like Nipsey will record, but then he would just leave and be like, you know what? I'll be back. I'll be back <laughs> 8 a.m. tomorrow morning and I'll finish the song. And this, this is one of them. And Hustle and Motivate was one of those songs that was quite literally pieced together. You talk about the Jay-Z sample and you can't yeah. talk you can't talk about the Jay-Z sample without talking about the influence that Jay-Z had mm. on on Nipsey himself. So when Nipsey understands like yo, I got a Jay-Z sample on this song, I got to come correct yeah. because this is like one of my idols. So eventually Jay-Z and Nipsey uh eventually become really good friends and he's like I got to deliver on this track. I got I'm sampling one of his most known songs and Obviously, the end result is is a true classic. It's one of the signature Nipsey Hustle standout songs. Yeah, the backstory behind it is 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 quite hilarious because honestly, it's still a mystery about who's on the hook. <laughs> Let's listen to that hook now. So how did this mystery hook come to be, Justin? So the beat had already been made for a while. Like the Jay-Z sample had been there. Of course, they they doctored it up over time. But like the foundation for the beat was already there. Black Sam, who's Nipsey Hussle's older brother, told me the story where he was like, he came to the studio and he expected to hear a finished record. And so he's looking around the studio and he sees this guy in the studio and, and Sam's like, who the fuck is this guy? And he was like, this guy is like, <laughs> He's wearing like a, you know, one of those, like a young thug kilt. And like, he just walked, he, <laughs> he, he doesn't look like somebody who would hang out with Nipsey and his crew is what I'm saying. And people were like, yeah. who, and he's like, who the fuck is this guy? Get him out of the studio. Like, we don't like, that's, it's a family atmosphere with Nipsey and Sam and all of those people. So if they don't know you, you really can't be around. And so somebody gets in Sam's ear and was like, yo, that's the dude who did the hook. And he was like, he did that? He was like, oh, <laughs> shit, he can stay. Yeah, no, it's fine. He can stay. And so something, fast forward a little bit, Nipsey comes to the studio, and he's thinking somebody else is going to do the hook. And he sees the guy in the studio, and Nipsey's like, man, what the fuck? Who's this dude Like incense in my studio, like fucking up my energy? He was like, what the fuck is going on here? And Sam's like, that's the dude who did the hook. And Nipsey was like, oh. He can stay. He can stay. <laughs> and so when I asked the question, I asked Sam and I asked 1500 or nothing. And Mike, I'm like, so who is this guy? And it was like, yo, to this day, we don't know. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know who the guy is? Like, yo, it's like we saw him. He did the hook. He did the hook. He stayed in the studio for a little bit. Yeah. And then we like, we don't know. We never saw him again. It was like, you mean to tell me the guy who did the hook to one of Nipsey Hussle's signature records? You didn't get a name. You didn't get a phone number, an email, <laughs> a aim, something or anything. It was like, dog, we don't know. We don't know who he is. I'm like, this guy is basically a Grammy nominated songwriter at this point. Yeah. And he doesn't want that credit. But like to this day, they still don't know who dude is. And if if he's listening to this and I don't I don't know his name, 
you created a classic because when you listen mm. to that production and the, you know the engineering everything sounds so crisp on that album but in that song in particular so when nipsey is telling you that story he was like remember i came out the county with nothing to lose and then that hook just drops in it's like <laughs> oh man this is beautiful shit right here and so i just wish i knew dude's name so i could give him the proper credit that he deserves it's such a wild story. I, I honestly don't think I've ever heard of anything quite like it. It still trips me out to this day. <laughs> and I have to say, I was looking at the Lyric website, Genius.com, and I noticed that they have in brackets above the hook a name, which is Maurice David Wade. And when you Google that, you find a singer who has a few credits. So... Maybe this is our mystery singer. Maybe Maurice David Wade is starting to belatedly take some credit for, as as you say, like singing one of the most iconic hooks on this album. Yeah, look, if, if that's really him, then by all, I need to look him up and see if I can contact him and be like, bro, like you, <laughs> you, you did a major service to, to this album. Yes. I can't promise we'll solve any further musical mysteries but <laughs> after we take a quick break we will listen to one of the biggest commercial hits off this album and maybe hear a little different side of nipsey hustle Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. If you have allergies, then I've got a familiar scenario for you. You wake up on a beautiful spring morning and peek outside to get a feel of that nice breeze, but then you start to feel a little tickle in your nostrils. That tickle is the spring air telling you to go be a hermit and avoid the outside because you'll soon be a sniffling, sneezing mess. But don't listen to it. Allergies suck, but a good nasal spray makes all the difference. I personally learned that I suffer from adult onset allergies, and it's a real bummer, but a good allergy med makes all the difference for my ability to go out in the springtime to smell magnolias, my favorite flower. If you also want relief quickly to get back to breathing in the spring air, you can try Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Last time that I checked was the highest charting song on the Billboard from this Nipsey Hussle debut album, Victory Lap. And one of the first things I noticed when I was listening to it was the strong influence of the Los Angeles G-Funk sound on this track. Last time that I checked, check, check. it was five chains on my neck. It was no smut on my rep last time that I checked. Check. I was selling zones in the set. Make a quarter mil, no sweat last time that I checked. I'm the street's voice out west. Legendary self-made progress last time that I checked. That high whining synth line at the start of this is redolent of so many G-Funk productions of the 90s and 2000s mm -hmm. by producers like Dr. Dre and rappers like Snoop Dogg. You can hear something similar on a Snoop Dogg track like Y'all Gonna Miss Me. Never miss what you had till it's gone.
And throughout this album, I think there's a lot of G-Funk influence. Is this Nipsey Hussle maybe paying homage to some of the predecessors of Los Angeles hip hop? Yeah, I, I I believe so. And again, you know, it's his producers, 1500, Mike and Keys. That these, these were all young black men who at the time when Dre and Quick and Death Row were all doing their things, they're young kids. Mm. They're outside in, in L.A. and they're hearing this music and the impact that it has on not just them, but their friends and just the community. And they know that this music is timeless. So like it sticks mm. with you. So when you're in a position to actually make music like that, you want that same type of reaction. And you also want to pay homage to a generation of music before you, because you're also putting people onto that because the mm. people who listen to you may not be readily familiar or as deeply familiar with the Death Rose and the G-Funks and the Nate Dogs, the DJ Quicks, Dog Pounds, all that, all that type of good stuff. So it, it's a nod to the past while also basically stamping himself. It's like, look, I'm not a billboard darling. I've never been one to try to make a song for the radio. So if you take this and you play it on the radio, just know it's still going to be authentically me. You know, DJ Head, the great DJ Head, I would say, uh, out in L.A., he tells a very, very funny story. So, you know, Nipsey brings him in. He wants him to listen to some cuts from Victory Laps. And he was like, yo, this is dope. But you got to give the people some slaps, bro. And by that, <laughs> like, you got to give them a hit. It's like, I'm not yeah. saying, like, dumb yourself down and whore yourself out to get a radio record. but you got to get the people some slaps because, yes, you want to be critically acclaimed, but to be critically acclaimed, you got to have something that you give people to draw them in. So you got to give them that. And, you know, Nipsey could have taken that. He could have taken it to heart and felt some type of way about it. But Nipsey took it as a challenge. And Nipsey told him, like, bro, I, I, I fuck with you, like, because you keep it a buck, basically. And, when, you know, one thing led to another. And this is the record that they came back with. That's interesting to hear, Justin, because you listen to the song and it's got a lot of braggadocio. It's got a lot of strutting. Mm -hmm. But then some of the same themes that we've heard throughout this album also appear. You know, he says, I taught you how to charge more mm -hmm. than what they paid for you. So there we're back to that theme of yep. financial independence, agency, ownership. Yeah. As you said, this track slaps. Yeah. It's fun to listen to. It's the most commercially successful song off this album, Victory Lap. But I don't know that the average person would have necessarily been familiar with it. And in fact, there was some controversy recently when the TV show Family Guy made a joke about Nipsey Hussle being a rapper who, quote, I'd never heard of and then was told to care immensely about, end quote. This caused some consternation in certain corners of the Internet but I, I do recognize that he may not have been as mainstream as some of his colleagues in hip hop. And I'm curious if you think that was because of his sound, because of his choice to be an independent artist for most of his career, or simply because of his priorities as an artist. Mm -hmm. Nipsey says it a lot in, in songs. He says it a lot in interviews. He's like, bro, we took the stairs. We didn't take the elevator. 
Columbine in my trigger head. Still I rise and I took the stairs. Feel a fire, it's a different glare. The importance of that is because he always wanted to own the rights to his own story, his own journey. He didn't want it to. He could have signed with major labels. He could have signed with yeah. majors and be like, yo, we'll have a song out by next summer. And but you got to work with this producer. You have to make this type of record. Nipsey didn't like being told how to make his art because for him, art was personal and art can't be personal if you have too many cooks in the kitchen. So that work ethic is on display on another track on Victory Lap called Dedication. And this track features Kendrick Lamar, a rapper who seems to have looked up to Nipsey Hussle. And I say that because he talks about it a little bit on the track. Here's Kendrick. My nigga L said you do a song with Nip. K dot here better clip. I said he a man first. You hear the words out his lips about flourishing from the streets to black businesses. Level four yard living, giving to false imprisonment. Listen close, my nigga. Kendrick says about Nipsey, he's a man first. You hear the words out his lips about flourishing from the streets to black businesses. It's a moment when you understand that the philosophy that Nipsey Hussle is communicating on this record is really reaching his peers in the hip-hop world. To win the respect of your peers in a very real way just by being yourself, that's heavy, man, and that's deep. And to hear Kendrick say that on a song with him while he was still alive, I'm sure it meant a lot to Nipsey as well. Yeah. Because by 2018, I mean, Kendrick Lamar is a star of stars. Yeah. You know, in terms of superstar power, he is the bigger, he he's the superstar on that record. Yeah. Whereas Nipsey is not yet a superstar. You know, Nipsey is making that turn towards that. But by then, Kendrick had already had Good Kid, Mad City and, you know, To Pimp a Butterfly and Damn and the Black Panther soundtrack and, you know, all the other projects in between. So Kendrick yeah. is that guy. But for Kendrick to sit here and be like, no, what this guy, what Nipsey Hussle was saying is very important. And it's just like people see him, oh, Nipsey, Rolling 60s Crip. And, you know, Kendrick Lamar is from Compton. He grew up in the same sort of environment. He grew up in the same type of environment. And so for him to sit here and be like, no, what you're not going to do is label this man by the set mm -hmm. that he claims. Because he he was Ermius Askadam long before he was Ermius the Rolling 60. He was Ermius Askadam long before he was Nipsey Hussle. And so for him to say that, I think that was a powerful head nod, a powerful homage on the record. And so you knew that the respect level between them, because they came up together, touring on random tours in, in the in the late 2000s, early 2010s, working the mixtape circuit. Yeah, There's history between those two. So when you hear that, and then eventually you hear uh, Kendrick's The Heart Part 5 and that last verse, which is dedicated to Nipsey. To my brother, to my kids, I'm in heaven. To my mother, to my sis, I'm in heaven. To my father, to my wife, I'm sis, this is heaven. To my friends, make sure you count them blessings. To my fans, make sure you make them investments. And to the killer that spared up my demise, I forgive you, just know your soul's in question. I seen the pain Hearing that verse and then going back and listening to Dedication, man, it just gives me goosebumps to hear that, man. Yeah. And one of my favorite things about this song is, you know, Nipsey's first verse on this song is incredible. Yeah. It's the remedy to separation. Tupac of my generation. Blue pill in the fucking matrix. Red rose in the great pavement. Young black nigga trapped and he can't change it. No, he a genius, he just can't claim it. Cause they left him no platform to explain it. But then 
you hear Kendrick's verse, you're like, damn, he ripped it. <laughs> I spent my whole life staring at the stage, playing Sega, daddy smoking shirt, mama playing spades, catching papers. Grandma said I get some Jordans for my grades. That's my baby. When she died, my heart broke a hundred ways. I spent my whole life... You know, rap is always competitive, even if you love yeah. the people that you're rapping with, which Nipsey and Kendrick obviously do. Yeah. But that, man, since we're talking about that song, Dedication, man, that third verse. Yeah. Whew, he was like, this, this ain't entertainment. entertainment. It's for niggas on a slave ship. Songs just the spirituals I swam against the waves with. Ended up on shore today, amazement. I hope the example I set's not contagious. Ended up on shore today, amazement. Now I hope the example I set's not contagious. Man, like, he, he really, <laughs> like, he got in his lyrical bag on that. But again, that verse is, is the epitome of of who he was and what he represented to a lot of people. It was like, look, I'm trying to show you this example. I'm trying to tell you how I operate. You get the sense that Nipsey Hussle saved some of his most complex lyricism for this track to, yeah. to kind of step toe to toe with Kendrick. Yeah. And I agree. It's really powerful. Later in this track, there's this line that, that always strikes me where he says royalties, publishing, Plus, I own masters. I'll be damned if I slave for some white crackers. Yeah. Cook the books, bring it back so there's no taxes. Royalties, publishing, plus I own masters. I'll be damned if I slave for some white crackers. I was mapping this out. And that's a powerful indictment of the music industry, of the racism and exploitation that's been a part of the entire history of the American popular music market it's a moment where you see that all this is connected in his mind financial independence ownership it's not just about his own success it's about writing some of these historical wrongs and getting what's yours so nipsey is from the crenshaw district in la and when you yeah. think about the racial history of that area and just the the disinvestment in communities and, and investment elsewhere in different neighborhoods in LA, like that line hits different because he's always understood what disinvestment looks like. He's always understood what manipulation has looked like. And he saw that firsthand in the music business. So it wasn't really all that surprising to him, but he understood how he's been fighting against this uh, for the entirety of his life. And what he's saying is like, yo, I own everything that I rap about. Every bar, every syllable that I put on record, this is mine. It's not anybody mm -hmm. else's. And when you think about groups like the Black Panthers, mm -hmm. they were preaching self-sufficiency. You think about somebody like Malcolm X, he was preaching self-sufficiency. And he spoke about how Malcolm X really influenced his mm -hmm. life and you know his music and how he moved in and out of different rooms. This was him in, in a way, paying homage to those teachings and he's putting it on record, basically saying, yo, I'm going to pay it forward. This is what I learned. This is what I learned over the course of my life. And this is how I learned how we can be better. We can't let anybody else own what we create. And that 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 lesson and him trying to teach people and putting that in his music, it's a powerful example of I want us to be better and here's how we can be better. Just listen to what I'm saying. So yeah, that, that, that line on that third, again, that third verse was just, yeah. he didn't waste a single syllable on that verse right there, man. Justin, we've only listened to four songs yeah. <laughs> from this yeah. 16 track album. It's yep. over an hour of music. 
Unfortunately, we don't have enough time to go through it track by track, but hopefully this will whet people's appetite to go listen to more of this album or if you're yeah. already a fan to go back and sort of treasure some of it. But before we end this conversation, I did want to ask if there is another standout moment on this album that really signifies for you the legacy of this release from Nipsey Hussle. The song Real Big. If you go back and listen to the Crenshaw mixtape, there's a song on this, the last song, actually, the Crenshaw and Slauson. It's basically his life story. It's a 12-minute record where he, he's just talking about his life. And I feel like Real Big is the updated version of Crenshaw and Slauson. It's just like, if Victory Lap is important because of the title and what it represents, Real Big is basically him looking at his life and saying like, yo, I survived all of this. I grew into a man that I can be proud of. I grew into a man that my kids can be proud to call me a father for, that my friends can be proud to call me a friend, that Lauren can be proud to call me a partner for the rest of her life. He was very proud of what he had accomplished. It wasn't cocky or boastful or arrogant. It was just like, I'm very happy of what I've done. And understanding how his life played out a year later, I can't listen to real big and not get chills. Because in a way, it's, it's Nipsey giving his own eulogy. Real big, real big. I know one day I would do it real big. Real shit, real shit. I know what my real niggas feel is. Nighttime, love songs. Can't even see the stars, but we still wish. Can't even see the stars, but we still wish. I listened to that song earlier today, man, and I got goosebumps. You can't see it right now, but I got goosebumps on my arms just thinking about it because this dude, he deserved to grow older. He deserved to grow into an even better version of himself than what we saw in the 33 years that he was gifted. And so when I listen to Real Big, it's just, it's a beautiful song, but man, it, it is... I get really, really sad when I listen to that song because there was so much more he was supposed to do. Justin, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on and thank you for letting me talk about one of the most important artists of my lifetime and you know one of the most important albums of my lifetime. This was I needed this more than I than I realized. So <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. You can check out more of Justin's work at his website, justintinsley.com. And I highly recommend his book, It Was All a Dream, Biggie and the World That Made Him, available anywhere you get literature. Switched on Pop is produced by Rihanna Cruz. We're edited by Art Chung. Brandon McFarland mixes and engineers the show. Iris Gottlieb does illustrations and Abby Bars in charge of community management. You can find more episodes of Switched on Pop anywhere you get podcasts. Our website, switchedonpop.com. You can hit us up and tell us about your favorite Nipsey Hustle tracks at Switched on Pop on Instagram and Twitter. We'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, all that remains is for me to say thanks for listening.
One final shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. You know what's a terrible question? What's your favorite part of having nasal allergies? I don't know. Absolutely nothing. Luckily, you might be able to find some relief with Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's astaproallergy.com. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies.